My dad died before I could tell him I was bisexual. I remember the exact moment I found out about the cardiac arrest. On July 14th, 2020, I had two missed calls from my oldest sister. She was still in London, I was in Gatheres, Spain, moving things out of my flat. I had only got an hour and a half of sleep after hearing news of Naya Rivera's death. I was already wrecked. I decided to pick up the third time my sister rang. There had to be a legitimate reason to call at such odd hours. I answered the phone at 6.57am to hear my sister sobbing the words, Dad's heart stopped beating. Dad's not breathing. The ambulance is here. They've been trying to restart his heart, but it's not beating. Manu, his heart isn't beating. Writing this out makes me feel like the worst person in the world. I had two reactions at once. Physically, I was not able to say anything for a good few seconds before my senses were jolted awake and I found myself saying, Dad, slowly, aloud, in disbelief. Internally, though, not even a split second after my sister said those words, the only thought that crossed my mind was, my life would be so much easier without him. I never planned on coming out to my dad. He was a stern Punjabi. He had just about accepted a Gujarati Hindu man into the family, someone still North Indian, so it was easy to imagine the rage he'd have felt and the verbal abuse and harsh consequences I or any of my other siblings would have endured if we had brought someone non-North Indian home. Once, when he was invited to a wedding between a British Indian and a white Briton, he said, I don't want my kids going to this wedding, I don't want them getting ideas. He said that he would not be our father anymore if any of us married a Muslim. Pleasing my dad seemed like an impossible task. Although I grew up in Southall, an area that thrives off its high concentration of Sikh Punjabis, I have always been surrounded by people from all over the world. It wasn't guaranteed I would find a man my dad would approve of. My main problem, however, was that I was not interested in marrying a man. As I write this, I want to stress that I'm not trying to speak for my dad, nor imply I wholly knew the extent and depth of his views. Maybe he was more accepting of queerness than I assumed. I don't know. Over the past few years, I found and immersed myself in queer Asian communities, where I've had many conversations full of self-analysis and pathways to healing. Many of us living outside our motherlands have found that we were, and are, guilty of making strong assumptions about our immigrant parents. It is undeniable that our parents are going to prioritise different values and traditions over the ones of the countries they've migrated to, but it feels like I've pushed a narrative of particularly staunch conservatism onto them that led me to believe I'm more progressive than them and that they would not accept me. My parents knew what being gay was. Growing up, my house was full of jokes made at the expense of gay people. At the same time, I felt a quiet acceptance in parts. My parents liked my best friend in school, who was gay. I would see my mum and dad watch Hindi and Punjabi movies, serials and variety shows which touched on cross-dressing, often as a source of humour. After all, India has a complicated and long history of queer culture and iconography that started long before its colonisation of the British. From what I saw, it felt like my dad knew of the existence of queer culture, it just didn't exist in his world. If the word gay was mentioned, he would make a face, a quick flash of repulsion, and then would move on with a little laugh, like it was such a bizarre concept that he wouldn't give the time of day to. For ten years, this was all I feared. 
imagining the day he would make that face at me. At 18 years old, I created and held on to a self-imposed time limit. I had to be financially stable, preferably by 30, before I could openly live my life. That way, if he ever found out, I would be far away enough not to feel the ramifications. It felt unfair that eventually I would have to choose my happiness or my parents'. I could never have both. I always felt, and still feel, the weight of fulfilling my parents' dreams of me, having a large wedding and performing my role as a traditional and dutiful spouse, even if I understood this was not necessarily an obligation. I wanted them to be proud of me, and I couldn't help feeling like I was failing them. I've seen many of my cousins fulfil their parents' dreams along with their own. I felt jealous. It seemed so easy for them. My mother definitely still wants that life for me, and I'll entertain her conversations of boys and marriage, but I just know that she loves me enough to understand if I leave that path to live out my dreams. I don't think that my father would have. It's hard to explain what the ten days between my dad's cardiac arrest and his death felt like. I flew back to London immediately. He was rushed into surgery and his body was stabilised. We entered a waiting game. He was not waking up and with every day that passed, there was less and less chance of his survival. The doctor went from telling us, he won't be able to speak, to he won't wake up at all. My mother had conviction in my father's full recovery. I, however, had started preparing my goodbyes. On the third last day, the doctors made the executive decision to take Dad off the ventilator. My middle sister had her phone ringer on, waiting for the doctors to tell us to come in for the moment none of us wanted to face. We had one false alarm, and at that point we could barely hold on to the phone and go about our normal day-to-day, just waiting. On July 24th, we were called in. My middle sister got to the room first, just in time to witness Dad's last breath. When someone close to you dies, you think of ways to honour them. Anxiety creeps up on me when I think about my father's reputation. While he was a rebel in his own ways as a father, my dad spent a lot of time building a life that would be seen as respectable by others, a life that would satisfy others' questioning, never leading them to ask, what will people say? What will people think? is a social slogan in Hindi-Urdu used in India and Pakistan to create fear of public opinion on one's personal life, a common question asked throughout my life. In Punjabi, it'd be, Loki ki kauge? What will people say? What will they think if I began openly dating women? If I dye my hair and get multiple piercings dad would have hated? What if they think I was waiting for him to pass away? Dad told other people he only wanted his children to be happy, but inside our home he set terms and conditions. I was always aware growing up that in order to be truly happy, he'd have to be less involved in my life. I hated feeling that way. Now, I want a life where I'm truly happy, and I am slowly understanding that it does not have to be one my dad would have been 100% proud of. I am convincing myself that I am enough to make any parent, and most importantly, myself proud. My dad will never see what becomes of my life and I have to live the rest of it knowing that he never knew the true me. Maybe it's easier that way but it's not a nice feeling always having a what if in my head. There is a part of me that always had and maybe always will imagine that he could have been happy seeing me live out the life I want. Would I have reacted to my dad's death differently if he had known I was bisexual? If I had come out to him? 
Maybe he would have severed our relationship as I expected him to, and I would have had to process my loss traumatised from that experience. Maybe I would have been resentful, indifferent. The death of my parent and the dreams he had for me weigh on me, and I have to find a way to live my life as a queer Indian child mourning my homophobic dad. It's not just him I'm mourning, it's the connection that we could have shared.